Good morning and welcome to the Life After 50 show. I'm Katherine Watson and I will be your host today. And we're going to be talking about paying for care for someone you love. And we're going to be talking about using VA benefits and Medicaid benefits. Uh, I've brought on a elder law attorney to talk to us today and we'll bring her up in just a minute. This show today is sponsored by Find Houston Senior Care. Find Houston Senior Care is a web directory for the greater Houston area. So if you're in the greater Houston area and you're looking for some type of care for your elder loved one, you'll be able to find just about everything you need on Find Houston Senior Care. So come and visit us. Um, I would like to get started now with our show because we've got a lot of questions for this lady. Uh, this is a hot topic. It's something that a lot of people need to uh, know about. And the VA has made some changes recently. So we're going to be talking about that. I'm going to be bringing up in just a moment, Sherry Rodriguez. Sherry Rodriguez received her undergraduate degree with honors from the University of Texas at Austin before attending law school at Baylor University School of Law. While she was in law school, she focused her studies on estate planning and probate law. And I found that very interesting. So I asked Sherry why a, a young person, uh, 20, 22 years old, would even consider that kind of a field. And of course, she had a personal story that like many of us do. So I'm going to bring Sherry up and let you let her tell you about that. Sherry currently works with McCullough Miller Law Firm here in Houston, Texas, and they offer elder law um, services of all types from wills to probates to estate planning um, and on and on anything that you may need in those later years in life. So I'm going to bring Sherry up and we'll let her tell you uh, a little bit about the backstory of how she got into this. Sherry, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate you uh, coming on with us today and taking time out of your busy day. Sure. Thank you for having me. So tell me the background story. You were telling me, but tell the viewers why you got into this field and what it means to you. Sure. Uh, when I was in college, I was 20 years old and I got a call one morning from my cousin that my father had passed away suddenly. He didn't have a will. He had done no estate planning whatsoever. We didn't know any probate attorneys. We didn't know what the process of, for probate was. We were just sort of lost. We hired an attorney who was, I think, looking back now, not, not very good at, at that job. And uh, we had a really tough time in probate. And it really took what was a difficult time in our lives in the first place and just made it so much more difficult. So it inspired me to uh, look into law school, take the bar to see how I did. Um, I scored well enough to get into a law school. And so once I was there, I said, I'm going to focus on, you know, probate, which is the you know process after a loved one dies. I'm going to focus on that. And I'm also going to focus on estate planning because, you know, the more planning that you can do up front, you sort of make that uh, probate process after death a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this is so common in this industry. We, 
so many people in the elder care industry have a personal story like that. And that's really what drives us and makes us want to, to do better and help more people and get the word out and share information. So that's why we're doing the show today. That's my intention for the Life After 50 show to help people with those burning questions, those, those unanswered uh, questions that uh, maybe they don't even know what the question is at this time. Uh, but I want us to be able to get out there and give them that information. So I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, for all of our listeners, if you're out there watching this show, please don't just stalk us. Comment in the comment section. Ask your questions. Don't be afraid. This is what this is about. This Your question, I guarantee you, is probably one that 50,000 other people have too. It's not uncommon. You may think it's unique to you, but you would be surprised. So ask your questions. We'll try to answer them live on the show. If you're watching the replay of this, or maybe you're listening to the podcast, reach out to us and ask your questions. I'll make sure that those get to Sherry so that she can answer any questions you may have. And I want to put up here to uh, the website where you can reach Sherry. Uh, HoustonElderLawyer.com. That's for uh, the company that Sherry works with, um, McCullough Miller. So Houston, HoustonElderLawyer.com is the website uh, where you can go and get a lot more information about this subject. So I'm just going to dive right in, Sherry. Okay. Start off with the VA benefits. Um, uh, a lot of people don't even really know about some of the VA benefits that might be available to them to help them pay for things like home care or maybe an assisted living or maybe an Alzheimer's care memory care home or something like that. They don't even know that that exists. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that first. Sure. There are so many different VA benefits that it's hard to keep track of them. So the VA Pension and then uh, the housebound and aid and attendance benefits are ones that are kind of below the radar for a lot of people. And those are the ones that can be used when someone, a veteran or the surviving spouse of a veteran is uh, disabled or over 65 and or they need help with their activities of daily living, which we refer to those as the ADLs. And th those are things like eating, um being able to use the restroom on their own, being able to move from a seated to a standing position on their own, things like that. If someone needs help doing those things, then that's um, an additional level of care. So the pension that um, we work most with, uh, there's a base pension. And then if someone is kind of substantially confined to their home, that's called housebound. And then if they need assistance with those activities of daily living, that's called aid and attendance. Okay. All right. So there's different uh, programs depending mm -hmm. on the care that somebody needs. That's right. But, but they can bring in care into their own home, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's really, that's an important benefit because it can be costly bringing in home care. Um, yes. Seniors don't really have the extra funds. They're on a tight budget. Um, so this uh, really can help. So tell me uh, about what could somebody who would qualify for this, what could they expect in terms of benefit dollars? So depending on the level of care that they need 
and if they're married or not. And if one spouse and the other spouse are both veterans, um, they may expect from between around $1,800 a month to around $2,400 a month. That's a lot. That's mm-hmm. a whole lot. That can go a long way in providing some care. So yes. that's huge. Is it that hard to apply for? And is it that hard to get approved? So it was a little bit easier to get approved up until last uh, or Thursday, um, October 18th. Um, there were mm-hmm. changes to the VA, the VA requirements. So there's three components to um, getting this pension. There is a service requirement. So the, the applicant in active duty for 90 days. And one of those days needs to be during a time that was defined by Congress as being wartime. Um, so those are just, you know, from this date to this date, if you served one day, then, you know, and you had 90 days of active duty overall, then you, you know, may qualify for this pension. There's also a, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say now you would, you would have all that information on those dates. Would you have that on your website? I believe would that they it, need to contact you. It may be on the website. I'm not sure. Uh, I know okay, there so are... if, it's, if it's not on the website, just reach out to Sherry and she sure. can get that information yeah. for you, right? Yes. Okay. They Great. roughly correspond to the, the times that the U.S. has been at war, but they don't start and end with, you know, the date that war was declared and the date that peace was declared. They kind of go a little bit beyond in, in some respects and then uh, like for Vietnam, it depends on, you know, where you were serving. There's two different windows. And then uh, since um, around 1991, we've actually been considered to be in a continuous period of war. So um, there's going to be mm-hmm. this benefit's going to be really, really big <laughs> once those those veterans who served in, uh, you know, the Persian Gulf or, you know, during that mm-hmm. period of time, once they start start aging into the system, like this is going to be a really, really big benefit. Um, right. right. There's also a medical component. So the person um, for the base pension, they need to be uh, 65 or older or disabled. Mm -hmm. And for the housebound pension, they need to be uh, substantially confined to their home. It doesn't mean that they can never leave. It just means that for the most part, they're not able to to, move themselves from their home to another location. And then aid and attendant, like I said, they need assistance with those activities of daily living. So it would be kind of up to a doctor to determine whether they um, meet, you know, one of those medical criteria. And then the last component is financial eligibility. And this is where we saw so many changes go into effect on October 18th. Prior Mm -hmm. to these changes, there wasn't a, you know, firm um, limit on some, on an applicant's net worth when they were looking at applying for this benefit there was kind of a rough guideline that if they had no more than $80,000 in assets or in countable assets, and I'll get to countable assets more in a minute, but there was this idea that if they didn't have more than 80, then they were probably, probably okay on the financial eligibility. But mm-hmm. now we have, you know, a, we call it a bright line rule. It's just a firm guideline from, um, from the veterans affairs administration that uh, the new limit is $123,600. And if um, anyone listening has ever looked into Medicaid, this is also the community spouse resource allowance under Medicaid. There's not, you know, a strong link between the two. It's just they were using that that number in the Medicaid context, and they found that it kind of worked well as a guideline for how 
how many resources or how many assets um, a person could have. Um, so they just used it in the VA context as well. So that was one of the public comments is like, why are these the same? Are they linked? Are they, you know, no, they don't right. have to be just kind of, right. kind of developed that way. Um, when I said so, countable, oh, sorry. Hold on just a minute. I just wanted to acknowledge Jason. Thank you for your question. He's asking about Medicaid benefits. And Jason, if you'll hang in there, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, I want to go ahead and let uh, Sherry finish with the VA. Okay. And then we'll get to your question. Okay. So the, when I said countable assets, and I said I would get to that in a moment, the VA does not count a person's car in okay. their, their assets. And they also do not count their house provided that the house isn't on more than two acres. And if it, it hmm. if it is more than two acres, they won't count the house and the two acres. But if the remaining acreage is marketable, then they will count that. So that's kind of a new thing. We haven't seen um, what that looks like in, a, in, in practice. We haven't seen it applied. So um, what what makes you know excess acreage not marketable? Maybe it doesn't have good road access or something like that. So we'll just kind of have to see how the how the decisions come down on that. Um, right, right. So that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got a lot of people um, around the Houston area that that do have some acreage. <laughs> you know, probably more than two acres easily. So I'm sure yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Some creative arguments on why you know excess acreage isn't isn't going to be marketable. So we'll have to see mm -hmm. how those how those arguments play out, and then what the result is when it gets um, when the VA makes a decision on it. So, but for now, right. we know that the person's net worth it's going to be calculated as their countable assets. So not their house, not their car, um, but everything else, and then also their annual income. So their monthly income times twelve. They'll add that in to the mm -hmm. calculation as well. And if that number is um, less than the 123,600, then they will you know, most likely be meeting that financial eligibility. If it's higher than the 123,600, then they need to do some planning. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So let me go ahead. Um, have we covered pretty much most of the VA benefits? Um, we've covered who can qualify and what amounts and ranges we're talking about. Um, let me go ahead. Let's answer Jason's question and kind of switch over to the Medicaid end of it, if you don't mind. One thing I wanted to add about the, yes. about the VA regulations is prior to this October 18th uh, change in the change in the regulations, a person applying for VA benefits, if they had more assets than they were allowed, they could transfer those out of their name and apply for this pension the next day. And that was fine. Now there's a look back period. The VA is going to look back 36 months from the date of application and see if someone made any transfers out of their name um, that were uncompensated. So meaning they didn't receive a good or they didn't receive a service in, in, in exchange for that. They just, you know, transferred it to a child, transferred it to a trust, something mm -hmm. like that. And based on if there are any of these uncompensated transfers, based on the amount, they will calculate a penalty period, which is, you know, the person's otherwise eligible for this VA pension, but it's not going to kick in for a number of months until the penalty period's over. So that's a right. big, big change because when that wasn't there, we had, you know, very easy, flexible planning for, you know, 
moving excess assets into a trust or to, you know, an adult child or something like that. And now we don't have the, we don't really have that available. So for VA benefits, pre-planning is extremely important in a way that it It, wasn't before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So don't wait until you have those needs come up. Right. Um, If you are, have been, if you're a veteran, your spouse was a veteran, look into uh, that right now and talk mm-hmm. to an attorney uh, because down the road you may need those benefits, right? Right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's huge. Uh, get with your attorney. Get with Sherry. Get some information and um, and get your get your ducks in a row. Basically, get yeah. everything in place. So um, quickly, Crystal wants to know what areas of town do you cover, Sherry? We cover any area of town in the Metro Houston area. We have a, our main office is in the Galleria area. We also have a space downtown that we use to meet clients, but we do um, remote signings all over town. We've gone to Sugarland, Med Center, Katy. Um, so we, and our clients come to our office from all areas of town. So, okay. Um, and we right. just but built- you also will go out to the client if need be? Yes, if we have clients who, for whatever reason, they they can't get into our office, they're hospitalized, um, they something like that, then we we will go out. We will go out to meet with them. Okay, all right. Well, it looks like we're getting a few questions on the Medicaid end. That seems to be a hot topic too. Um, Let's go back to Jason's because he was first, and then I have another one after that. Jason asked, "What kind of resources do you have for families?" looking for Medicaid benefits? Sure. Our firm, we work with a lot of clients who are looking to access Medicaid benefits for um, themselves or for their parents. So for Medicaid benefits, a lot of times the the person who calls us initially is the adult child of a person who they're aging, they need assistance with their activities of daily living, things like that. And we you know, meet with them first and then, you know, meet with mom or dad, as the case may be, if they're able, or if the adult child is the um, agent of the power of attorney, then we can work directly with them on mom or dad's planning. So we are um, able to advise clients looking for Medicaid benefits. We can do pre-planning or we can do crisis planning. Pre-planning, of course, is always better because you have more options. Um, Medicaid, so there are a variety of different Medicaid benefits in Texas, um, the ones that we work with are Medicaid benefits that kick in to pay for care in a skilled nursing facility. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really limited programs that will pay for care in the home, but they have extraordinarily long waiting lists. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to not, uh, we tend to not see those very much because most mm-hmm. people, you know, they're like, okay, no, we're not going to, we don't really want to wait. We want to work on, we want to work on getting uh, some care in place right now. So mm-hmm. once a person, once an applicant's approved for this Medicaid benefit, Medicaid will pay for the, whatever the person's income doesn't, doesn't cover as far as their nursing home care. So if the nursing mm-hmm. home care is $6,000 a month and the applicant's income is only 4,000, 4,000 would go to medic uh, to go to the nursing home and then Medicaid would cover the, the missing two. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, we have another question and it looks like it's Azia and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Thank you for coming on the show and asking your question. She says, 
or he says, um, do my parents have to spend all of their money in order to take advantage of Medicaid benefits? No, that is a common misconception. The And a lot of people do it that way. They um, Mom or dad goes into a nursing home. They pay for the nursing home care out of mom or dad's, you know, their life savings, essentially, until it's gone. And then they apply for Medicaid. So mm-hmm. even or in pre-planning and even sometimes in a crisis situation, we can use some trust tools to move that money from mom or dad's name into a trust. And then, um, you know, typically there will be some sort of penalty period because like with VA, there's a look back period. And then if there's any Mm -hmm. of those uncompensated transfers, there will be a penalty period assessed. But even with that penalty period being assessed, it's often financially beneficial to do that planning anyway, even in a crisis situation. Hmm. I did not know you could do it in a crisis situation at all. So that's that's good information. I appreciate that. It doesn't um, always make financial sense, but you know, a lot of the time it does. Right, right. So let's just clarify because I think probably some people watching this show, there's a lot of confusion about Medicare and Medicaid. Yes. So if you could just kind of clear up what is the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. So Medicare is the health insurance program that um, people use after they have retired and they're 65 and they can go on on uh, Medicare. Medicaid is a different program in our context. It's used to pay for care in a skilled nursing facility. So it's really not paying for medical care. It's paying right. for the care that's needed when um, someone has trouble with those um, activities of daily living again, but moving from seated to standing position, using the restroom, dressing themselves, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And uh, here's another one. Crystal wants to know, she says, we've heard that families can lose their home to Medicaid after the parents pass. Is that true? That does happen sometimes in the program that say causes that, but the, the way it happens is that any time uh, a person receives benefits under Medicaid in Texas, once they pass away, Medicaid will file a claim against their estate to be repaid mm-hmm. for those benefits that they paid out on that person's uh, for that person's care. So usually the only big asset in the estate when the person passes away is their home, because like under uh, the VA, someone's home is excluded. It's not accountable. It's not accountable resource up to a certain, it's not an acreage limit, but it's a certain um, equity limit. So, but there are some tools that we can use. It's uh, some deeds that we can do to, you know, move that house out of uh, the parent's name at the time of death. So the parent would retain the right to use it, the right to sell it, lease it, whatever they want to do during life. But at the moment of death, it ownership would vest in, whoever they've named in, in the deed. It's commonly mm-hmm. called a ladybird deed, if anyone's ever heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah, I yes. didn't know really what it was. Okay, yeah. You may also and, hear it be called an enhanced life estate deed. Mm-hmm. But the, the common name is ladybird deed. And I have to ask, where did ladybird come from? So because I always common... think of... I always Lady think of Ladybird Johnson. Exactly. Does it have anything to do with her? So I've read a couple of different things. And one one story is that, uh, you know, LBJ used one of these deeds to transfer property to Ladybird Johnson. 
But I've also read that that's not true and that the real story is that the Florida law professor, the Florida lawyer who came up with the, the idea of the Lady Bird deed and sort of blazed a trail on that, he he used the name Lady Bird in the kind of example that he, the example fact pattern that he used when he was explaining this deed to other people. So mm-hmm. I've heard both things. I think the I think the second story is the true one, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. A little, a little bit right. of legal folklore. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I always wondered about that. I'd heard of it. I didn't really know what it was, but uh, mm-hmm. I always thought of Lady Bird Johnson, such a such a nice lady. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what what other resources do you have to help in the education process? One thing I really like about this firm is that we're very education focused here. You mentioned earlier the uh, workshops and the seminars that we do. We have complimentary workshops a couple of times a month on different topics. Um, the next one that we have is next month on November 7th, and it's about smart smart aging. And that's mm-hmm. a co-presentation by our founding partner, Tom McCullough, and the, founding, uh, the founder of Elder Advisory Group, Janet Jackson McCullough. Um, and so they, they do a co-presentation about aging and different resources, different, different things to think about, risks, different different potential solutions, things like that. Um, we also have done several several workshops recently about the VA benefits because of the changes that were made. Um, there's also just some that were uh, more along the lines of basic estate planning, um, things that are, you know, risks as far as um, to someone's savings, their assets, things like that. So we do these regular workshops that are complimentary, open to the public. Um, we ask that people RSVP through our website but um, we do those. We also, our website has a lot of resources. We have a lot of blog posts about different topics that can, you know, people can use to get the juices flowing on different issues that they may not be thinking of. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot with estate planning and particularly elder elder law that's not necessarily intuitive. And that if you're not engaged in, in researching, you're not going to even know that the, that the issues are there. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have some, other resources like a family document checklist that someone can use to kind of audit, you know, what do like, what do we have as far as estate planning? Do we have a will? Do we have a power of attorney, a medical power of attorney, a directive to physicians, things like that. And we also have some uh, VA resources as well. That's why I think we have that wartime, like the list of different uh, wartime periods on there, but we also have like the 2018 benefit schedule. So someone can see, you know, okay, I'm need, you know, the housebound benefit and I'm unmarried, this would be the maximum benefit that I could get. Um, so mm-hmm. lots of lots of resources there. Lots of resources. And they can find yes. those resources at HoustonElderLawyer.com, correct? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. So that, again, that's HoustonElderLawyer.com. Um, this show will also be on iTunes as a podcast, uh, Google Play, oh, Stitcher, um, uh, Spotify, uh, Buzzsprout. So it's going to be on a lot of different within the week. It'll be on all of these different podcasts. So for those of you who may be tuning in for just a few minutes and you, you would really rather just listen to it while you're driving to work or while you're jogging or something else, um, 
you can find us on podcasts and that's the life after 50 show sherry unfortunately our time is up uh this oh, wow. goes that was fast i know yeah. i told you it would <laughs> it goes really it fast you have such a wealth of information and um, hopefully we've gotten some good information out there for uh, the people listening. And I really appreciate all of the um, uh, people who took the time to show up for the show today and ask your questions. If you're watching the replay or if you're listening to us, go ahead and uh, ask your questions. We will make sure to get them to Sherry Rodriguez at the McCullough Miller Law Firm so that she can answer those questions and help you further. Attend a workshop. I can't stress that enough. Get the information and the help that you need before something happens. It's a lot easier, isn't it, Sherry? You've been there personally and you know it's stressful enough uh, when you're dealing with an illness or a death of a loved one, uh, it's twice as stressful if you're Absolutely. having to now deal with legal issues and financial issues at the same time. So um, again, thank you so much, Sherry. I really appreciate you coming. I'm going to go ahead and put you back down in the lobby. All right. And Well, this was a wonderful show today. And thanks to everybody who showed up. We're really happy to have you here. Uh, show up at on uh, the Life After 50 show. And uh, we've had some wonderful guests. We really have. Next week, the guest is going to be a surprise. I'm firming up with uh, somebody right now. So stay tuned and find out what the next show on the Life After 50 show will be. It's what you need to know. I'm Katherine Watson, and this is sponsored by FindHoustonSeniorCare.com. Again, that's Find, F-I-N-D, HoustonSeniorCare.com. Have a great day, everybody.